by this time, you thought you'd be further along in your career, but you still have to worry about money. Your kids were going to excel above the rest, when in reality, they need more attention just to keep up with the rest. Your bucket list of travels and successes is replaced by your weekly grocery list and doctor visits. Your marriage, you imagine the bestseller love story, but those oftentimes don't include unmet expectations and nights on the couch. Now, I don't know how you define an extraordinary life, but I do wanna ask this morning, how do you find meaning and purpose if your life just seems, well, ordinary? So, you know, a world that affirms, encourages, and, and even praises just those who live these extraordinary lives, what do you do when you just feel ordinary? We're going to continue in our message series this morning, Light in the Darkness, where each Sunday we're looking at the nativity scenes and the, the characters there and the, the people who uh, all of us could probably name in, in a lineup and, and we have an understanding of who they are, but we don't actually know too much about them. But these people, the, the, those that are in the nativity scene, I believe actually tell us more about ourselves than we probably know. And these are the stories that we want to peel back for our own sake. So today we're going to look at probably the most revered of them all, which is Mary. And I think that through her story, we may just see how God works in and through the ordinary. So what I want to do is I want to read from Luke. Uh, we're going to be in chapter one. Um, this is the third book of your New Testament, and we're going to begin in verse 26. So if you want to go ahead and pull out your Bible, uh, Hannah will also put, post a scripture in the chat. Uh, but again, Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who has said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So Mary, Mother Mary, even if you aren't a church person, uh, you probably still recognize her as a hero of faith. Uh, you've seen statues and figurines and murals, 
But like, really, who is Mary in this story? See, the odd thing is that heroes don't come from Nazareth. A future future disciple of Jesus uh, gets quoted asking the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Which he's essentially asking, why would I be interested in someone who comes from a part of the world that nobody respects? See, the, the angel Gabriel didn't choose to make this announcement to, to Herod's daughter or uh, a member of elite Jewish society, but to a poor, illiterate, unimportant Jewish girl in Nazareth named Mary. One author put it this way, from all indicators, her life would not be extraordinary. She would marry humbly, She would give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther than a few miles from home, and one day die like thousands of others before her. A nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. But it's in this ordinary life that God sends an angel to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored The Lord is with you. So if this is true of Mary, can't this be true for any of us? It's not the C-level executive of a Fortune 500. It's not the supermodel on the runway. It's not the motivational speaker or the political elite. God's divine favor and presence is found on the custodian who's picking up extra shifts to buy their kids a couple extra Christmas presents. Those who can never really seem to feel comfortable in the fit of their clothes. The ones who feel they have nothing important to say. And those that are on the outside of the American dream. Now, if 1998 taught us anything There is something about Mary. And I wonder if in a world that that affirms, encourages, and praises extraordinary lives, that we can learn from her ordinary life. In verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor in God. See, we can see now a a little more clearly why she would be troubled by this greeting. Highly favored? Me? Now, we don't know everything about Mary's life. But we can see that she was probably a faithful worshiper of God, her creator as a descendant of David. We can see that she's been faithful to Joseph and is moving forward in marriage, eventually to to have kids and a family. It seems that she is doing the best that she can with what she has, living faithfully in an ordinary life. And in this, she was highly favored by God. In your ordinary life, what may you be avoiding that you should be doing? 
the thing you are foregoing because you think it should be better than this, that my life should be more extraordinary than it is. And what might happen if you actually give attention to the small, ordinary things in your life? Is it possible that you could experience the favor of God, God's grace and presence in your ordinary life? We see from Mary that it's God who does the extraordinary in and through an ordinary life. Again, it's God who does the extraordinary in and through an ordinary life. Now, through Hallmark movies and potentially Christmas productions, I'm guessing in this scene, you imagine a bright light coming from the sky, tall grass blowing as if a helicopter was about to land, and just this loud, powerful voice speaking to Mary, all while she like holds her forearm up, trying to like take in the moment and pay attention to the voice. I mean, because like these are the extraordinary exper- extraordinary experiences that God actually works in, right? I think about like the Bruce Almighty scene when he's driving and he's like, God, give me a sign, and a truck of road signs pulls out in front of him. But I would encourage us to try on a new thought this morning, potentially a new thought. What if Mary was more like us than we think? What if all the biblical characters in so many ways were more like us than we think? What if she was ordinary, but that she was open to hearing from her creator regularly? See, I I think it is more likely that Mary was a devout woman who, who prayed regularly. And during one of those chosen experiences, the angel shows up and speaks to her. See, what if the extraordinary that we're looking for in life is simply God doing the extraordinary in and through our ordinary lives? That we don't have to strive for the extraordinary, but simply create space for it and receive it. The late spiritual writer Dallas Willard said, life with results beyond the natural always depends on intimate interactions between us and God, who is therefore present. So a couple years ago when Caitlin and I were praying through uh, this call we were sensing to church planning, which was just mind-blowing at the time, Um, really not a thought or a, a call ever before in my life or even a desire. And we were working through it and we were praying a lot and we were talking to people and uh, we, we were nearing this point of making a decision to say yes. Uh, and, and in so many ways, I think we were trying to avoid it and really not wanting to say yes. But I remember there was this one Sunday, uh, I was at church that, that I, was, I was pastoring with, um, that I was co-leading with. And I'm in the lobby hanging out between two different services. And this gentleman walks up to me I've never met before, uh, never actually even seen. And he wasn't a regular attender of church by any means. And he walks up with his wife and Uh, He introduces himself and shakes my hand, which is now weird to think about in all this COVID land, like people actually shake hands. Uh, But he comes up to me and he says, Ryan, go for it. Go and do what God is calling you to do. And he hands me $100. And in that moment, like 
he doesn't know my life. So I, I wanted to make sure that. So I asked him like, oh, like what's going on here? He says, well, my wife and I live out in Kerman. We had visited uh, your, your guys' church before, a previous church before we had merged with another. And I woke up this morning and felt like God just told me to come here. And I didn't really know why, but I knew I needed to bring $100. And when I saw you, I felt like I was supposed to come up to you, give you the $100 and tell you to go for it. Go for what God is calling you to do. And in that moment, my mind was blown. That, 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 that is in an ordinary life. That is an extraordinary thing. A couple months later, I was sitting in a church, Caitlin and I, as we started a transition into church planning. And uh, we were just uh, visiting a couple different congregations. And we went to church one Sunday to a church that we were familiar with. And uh, my mom had kind of helped with worship and, and things over time. So she had a relationship. And Caitlin and I are sitting next to my mom. And the pastor gets up to preach and um, is kind of doing his hellos and cordials. And he looks out and he sees my mom and he makes eye contact with me. And we've never met before. Um, he doesn't know me. He knows of me. He knows that I am my mom's son and that's about it. And he makes eye contact with me and he pauses. And he looks at me for a second. He says, are you Nina's son? Um, yeah. And he goes, hey, can I, can I just take a risk and just I don't know, tell you something I feel like I'm supposed to tell you right now. And there's a few hundred people in this crowd. So it's, it's, it's by no means is it just like a handful of us. I'm like, yeah, of course. And he says, Ryan, I see discipleship on you. I, I, I see a life that is committed to other people and I see you leading a church. And, and he goes on and he just starts saying these things over and over and over again. And it, it, he probably spends a few minutes just really encouraged me in the things that God was calling me. So I went up afterwards and I was like, Hey man, uh, did someone tell you that we were church planning? Like what's going on here? Right. Total skeptic. And he's like, no, I had no idea. I saw you this morning and I felt like I was supposed to tell you these things on God's behalf. I remember, I mean, this is a sequence of things. This is about a month later, right? Another church. This is actually another vineyard church in town at the church that I grew up in. And I went up for prayer afterwards. I had, I had sat in the congregation uh, during, this, during, during the gathering. And afterwards, I, everyone was going up for prayer. And I just felt like I needed to sit there and just kind of pick who I'm supposed to go get prayer from. So I sat for a little bit. And finally, the person I felt like I was supposed to go get prayer from, uh, I walk up to and just say, hey, I'm here to get prayer. And this is someone who I did not know growing up. This is someone who uh, I think more knows of my family from being in the church, doesn't know me personally, uh, again, doesn't know our story. And he starts to pray over me and he starts really praying the same things that Daniel at the river had prayed for me uh, or spoken over me about a month or two before that. And then he starts saying things like, I, I see you, I see you teaching in front of a group of people out on a lawn. It looks like the lawn at Fresno city college. And this was right at the time of like Caitlin and I working through um, where we're supposed to be and what this looks like to be a part of a community and just different things. And he just goes on and on and on. And again, afterwards, like a skeptic, I say, hey, man, did someone tell you we're church planning? Like, how do you know all of these things? And he decided, well, I just listened and felt like I was supposed to tell you these things from God. See, I believe that that each of these people, they, they weren't seeking these extraordinary things in their life. But what they were doing is they were creating space for God to do extraordinary things in and through their ordinary lives. 
Are you making time to hear from God? If he was to send you a divine messenger right now, would you recognize it? Would you hear from him? I know you're busy. We're all trying to live these extraordinary lives. But what could happen if you started just expecting the extraordinary in the small, ordinary spaces of your day? What would it look like if when you woke up and started your morning routine, you just read a verse from, let's call it the book of Matthew, and then just thought on it as you were just getting ready for the day? Maybe while driving, instead of catching up on phone calls or trying to text or scroll social, like I know some do, you just sat there in silence and you actually just shared your thoughts with God and then just listened. Maybe as you enter the door to work or log on to your computer, you say just a quick prayer of thankfulness for the work you have and you ask for God's presence to be with you. Do you think that you could experience just a life of favor in God? And what would that look like for you? We do not have to strive for the extraordinary in our lives. We don't have to strive for God's favor, his grace over our lives, his pursuit of us to lavishly pour out his love over us. I think that if we embrace the ordinary lives we live, we faithfully serve within them. We make space for God to speak into our lives and for us to listen. I believe that we will truly find the extraordinary that we are looking for within our ordinary lives. And for those that are on the outside of of faith and church and trying to figure things out and who is this Jesus and what does it look like? This is the good news that comes at Christmas. The story is that God stepped into our world. He drew near to us. He became us so that he could invite us into the extraordinary life of living in his love and his kingdom. And in all of this, even as he said to Mary that you are highly favored, we know that this favor is found in Jesus in our lives. And like Mary, we're called to a decision. Not a decision that we have to earn by living an extraordinary life, but in the ordinary lives that we lead, we receive it. We receive the love that he has extended to us. We receive the grace that he has extended to us. I believe in that we will find the extraordinary lives that we were meant to live. So if that's you this morning, will you receive it?